Good morning. Well, it's morning here in the Netherlands. My name is Ankle Mulman. Our website is cwowi.eu, Church Without Walls International. You can also go to another website, cwowi.org. There are many videos about house church, and if you want to know more about house church, on our website you can find many articles in different European languages. Is that if that would be helpful to you? But today I'm not going to talk about house church. Today I'm going to talk about something else, and and that is that there was a mystery in past ages, but that mystery is now revealed. Well, first of all, what is a mystery? When you go to the dictionary, it says it is something something strange or not known, that has not yet been explained or understood. It's a mystery. You don't know what it is. But in biblical terms, the term mystery means something that was formerly hidden, that was knowledge, withheld, but now revealed, which people cannot know except by revelation. When you go to the Strong's and you look up the word mystery, it means to initiate into the mystery. A secret known only to the initiated, something hidden that can only be known by revelation. So a secret known only to the initiated. What does that mean? Well, let's first go to Mark chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, if you have your Bible. Mark 4. Well, you know, Mark 4 talks about the parable of the sower. And the parable is actually a story that is told in a way to illustrate the spiritual truth. And then in verse 10, uh, the Lord, there were uh, people around the Lord and the 12, of course, also. And the 12 and those around the Lord, they asked the Lord about the parable. They didn't know what it understood about the seed and sown and thorns and whatever. And then he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parable. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Do you really get that? That to us it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but those outside, they don't understand it. You have to talk to them in parables because they have no understanding. Well, you probably know that before you were born again, when you read the word of God, it made no sense. There was no life in it. You didn't understand at all what it was talking about. Maybe a nice history book or whatever. But since you became a Christian, once you were part of the kingdom of God, when you were part of the kingdom of God, maybe you didn't know, but at that moment you were initiated into the kingdom. That means that all the mysteries of those that are initiated, like that secret knowledge, is known only to the initiated ones. Now the mysteries of the kingdom of God continue to be revealed to you. And you know that when you read a word and you, and you pray about it, and then there is things you never saw before, although maybe you, you have read that scripture for many, many times, but there is new revelation to you. Revelation knowledge is given to you. Why? Because you are initiated into the kingdom of God. And to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Amazing. When you go to Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, it says, Paul is talking here, it says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. But now 
made manifest. So there was a mystery. The revelation of the mystery was kept secret. So in the Old Testament, there were many, many secrets that were hidden still. People didn't know about it. But now, when you can be born again, those mysteries are revealed. They are now manifest. So what is that mystery that was kept secret for so long? Well, there are many mysteries, but today I just want to talk about a particular mystery. It says in Colossians, first chapter, 26 and 27, it talks about the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. That's what Paul talked about before to the Romans. And here to the Colossians, he says the same. It was a mystery, had been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amazing. And it was also a mystery that was revealed that God can also live in Gentiles. For instance, when you go to Ephesians chapter 3, let's read that. Um, Verse 3, Paul says to the Ephesians, By revelation he made known unto me the mystery, uh, which is, in other ages, was not made known to the sons of men, as it now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. What is the mystery there? It is, da-da-da-da, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Wow. So the gospel is not just to the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles, which I was a Gentile, not not anymore, because now I'm part of the kingdom of God. But the Gentiles mean those who are no Jews. So that was a mystery revealed and God uh, uh, was a mystery hidden, but God now revealed it. And that's what he says to the Colossians, that God will to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, among you. Right. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Wow, and Paul also got that revelation that Christ is in us. For instance, in Acts chapter 17, 24, he says, God who made the world and everything in it does not live in temples made with hands. To the Corinthians, again, to the Corinthians, those who were sinning and had so many issues still in their lives. But to the Corinthians, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So Christ in us, Christ in you. And we all became living temples. That was a great mystery. In the Old Testament, he couldn't reveal that mystery because he couldn't move into people who still were sinners. So when Jesus died and rose again, uh, that was possible. He could move out of the building. He could move into people and, and he could recreate their spirit by his Holy Spirit. Then he could move inside them. And now you and I and we all are walking temples of God. And he lives in us. It means you can talk to him 24-7 because he lives in you. And Paul says even in uh, Acts 70, 28, in him we live and move and we have our being in him. Wow. Romans 16, Romans chapter 10. Let's go there. Let's read it. That is amazing scripture too. Uh, Romans 10. And that goes for today too, because you see so many weird things on the internet and what people post. <coughs> I'm sorry. Romans 10 verse 6. It says, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, who will bring Christ down from above? Haven't you heard that sometimes? Okay, we have to pray for an open heaven or there will be a portal. I don't know what a portal is. Okay, there will be a portal, special place, and then we all pray and then we bring God 
down and then we pray, Holy Spirit, please come down. Please come down. That's what he says. We do not say that bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abbeys. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your hearts. The word is near you and the living word is even inside you. So what does it mean that Christ is in you? He lives in you. That doesn't mean you have to shout to be heard. It means you can whisper. He still hears you because he lives in you. It does mean you doesn't, you don't have to go to a dedicated building to talk to him for he is in you. Not that you can't. Of course you can, but you don't have to. It means there's no special day to worship. You can worship him every day. You can worship him 24-7. That means you don't have to impress him or move him because he already lives in you. You don't have to do things to think, okay, God will hear me. No, he already lives in you. It also means you don't have to be afraid of the devil and of those demons because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You just command them to go and they have to leave. You don't have to go to a special meeting to receive a word from God because he lives you. And it says that Jesus has become wisdom from God to us. First Corinthians, first chapter, verse 30. And it also says in Colossians chapter two, that in him are all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Think about it. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you need wisdom, if you need knowledge, he is inside of you. So God gave us his own son and he lives in us. What else do we need? When you go to Romans 8, 32, it's amazing scripture. And that I pray for revelation that you really understand what it says. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So think about that. God gave us Christ, the highest, the best. He couldn't do any, give us anything better or more or more powerful or whatever. He gave us Christ. He gave us his best. He did not spare his own son. Why do we think he will not give us other things? Why do we think he will not answer our prayers? Why do we think you have to convince him to give you wisdom? to give you knowledge or whatever. He gave you everything. Why don't he, why would he not give you something that is lesser valuable, that is lesser of a, of a lesser worth? Why do you think we, you have to pray more to be heard or, or fast or beg or proclaim or do certain things or give extra to be heard or to impress him or let him know that you are serious or to remind him over and over again? Because he already lives in you. Christ, he, God gave you his greatest son, that is Christ in us. But it also means when Christ lives in me and he lives in other Christians, that we are all equal. We are all saved by the same blood. Yes, there are different gifts in life and, of course, and different functions also in the body of Christ. But in him, we are all equal. We are all saved by the same blood. We are all in ministry. Think about it. Christ lives in you. So you are already in ministry, in ministry, wherever you go, you carry him with you. If there is a need with someone and say, and Christ is in you. And when you're led by Christ in you, you can say, can I pray for you? Because he lives in you, right? So there's no such thing as sacred or uh, what do you say? Sacred and secular because he is in us and everything we are and everything we do is sacred. Your home, your work, your laptop, your car, whatever, mention it is sacred because Christ is in you. That is an amazing revelation. You really have to think about it and ask the Father for revelation. <clears throat> but there's also another side of the coin. Neither every coin has two sides. One is Christ in you, amazing, wonderful. 
And then when you go back, to, when you go to First Corinthians six nineteen, it says, "Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God, God's." <clears throat> so it's a wonderful thing to have Christ in you, but He says because He lives in you. Now you have to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. It's also responsibility. How do we lead our, your life? How do you lead your lives? We all are accountable to him. So do we really value the uh, the fact that he lives in us? Do we have respect for God, for the things of God? Do we have respect for other Christians because he lives in them too? Or are we talking bad about him? Are we on purpose uh, offending them? When we do not realize that Christ lives in us, then you do not realize that he also lives in your other brothers and sisters. It means we have part of his personality in us, but also our brothers and sisters, right? Okay, so we have to love them as Christ loves us too, and he lives in us. Paul mentioned there's another scripture in Galatians 4. You think, okay, it's wonderful, Christ lives in us, and so on, and so on. But... Are we complete now? Uh, what, what, what does it mean? Are we going, he, that's everything we need. He just lives in us. And then Galatians 4 says, Paul, talking to the Galatians, he says, my little children from whom I labor in birth again. So it was not the first time for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So he lives in you. That's a fact. But how does it express you? How is he formed in you? And that word formed in, in Greek is morpho. And literally, it means literally until a mind and a life in complete harmony with the mind of life in Christ. Now, again, it means until a mind and life in complete harmony with the mind and life of Christ shall have been formed in you. So, yeah, you have to, there is that little baby that is when you became born again. And now you have to grow and be formed. Christ has to be formed in you. That's what he also says to the, to the Romans in chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Do not be conformed. Conformed is to conform yourself, to put your into a certain model or a pattern. You know what the world says. This is how you have to think. This is how you have to behave. This is the, the people you have to accept. This is what you have to like, what you don't have to like. You are shaped into the form that the world thinks. But Paul says, do not be conformed. Do not let yourself be shaped into the same form as the world has, but be transformed. That means to change into another form, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's not a uh, something you could do, but it's actually a, an obligation. He said, be ye transformed. It, it's you have to do that. It's an obligation when Christ is in you to undergo that complete change in your thinking. Second Corinthians, last chapter, uh, last scripture I will read with you. Second Corinthians chapter chapter three, verse eighteen. It says, "But we all, again, we all to the Corinthians. You know, you know who the Corinthians were, what they were thinking, what they were doing." He says, "But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord." We are being transformed into the same image, the same image. When you behold him, you are being transformed. You become, you are changed into another form from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So what you behold is what you will become. 
What are you beholding? Are you beholding the mirror of the world? And you think you have to be like that? Or are you beholding the glory of the Lord in that mirror? And then you will be transformed and then you will be, you will grow and Christ will be formed in you. So we then will reflect what we behold. Christ in you. See you next time. Bye bye.